Okay, welcome back to the pregame golf podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. My name is Will Doctor, alongside co-host James Ledbetter. Rough, rough week for me last week with the Zozo Championship picks, but luckily we had Led just dishing out locks left and right. He will discuss with that with you a bit before we get into favorites this week. And of course, we will discuss the Butterfield Bermuda Championship this week. Uh, we will start by discussing the favorites. Uh, most of which we will steer you away from this week because um, there's a lot of no-name players just being ridiculously overpriced. We will get to that. Then we will work um, our way into head-to-heads, picks-to-place, dark horses, outright winners, some lineup options, um, in which led is three and one over me so far this year. And then we will wrap things up with, uh, with best bets. Great show ahead, led. I'm looking forward to getting things rolling this week. A lot of corn fairy tour vibes. Uh, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Well, good to see you. Honestly, I've been looking at, let's just start with a Zozo. We'll recap that quickly. Uh, Hideki um, defended his home turf there, getting the win at a Narashiwa we went with. Or... Yeah, Narashiro. Yeah, Narashiro. Just looking at Hideki's year now, he has a master's green jacket. He has a... Uh, defended home turf in Japan and it is really starting to round into uh to form he's another guy to obviously look out at these next couple majors uh for next year but just so we thought about with the tournament in terms of the winning score we thought it was going to be play pretty tough we only had uh obviously Hideki had a five shot win so it wasn't really too competitive that final round over guys like Cameron Tringali and Brendan Steele Thankfully, Tringali didn't cross the finish line. That's one of the guys we were fading because he doesn't win. And, uh, you know, finishing second there, we weren't wrong, right? Uh, so, but yeah, I had a pretty good week. I had Colin Morikawa over Xander. I had Hideki over Tommy Fleetwood. Hideki top 10 and Colin, Colin Morikawa top 10. So went heavy on those favorites. Thought it was a pretty weak field and thought it was um, those guys had some value just given the fact it was more of a 10-man tournament than even a 70-man tournament. So they were able to cash those but completely different week this week heading to bermuda for the butterfield bermuda championship i hope they have bermuda greens there it would uh <laughs> it would be it would be pretty shocking if they didn't uh, i had to triple i had to triple check lad yeah they do have bermuda for this week but just looking at it uh the field is shocking shocking uh, corn fairy yeah. vibes yeah for one of two reasons one it's the bermuda open and two uh, there is some hesitation by some PJ tour players to get vaccinated. I know there, uh, there are a lot of guys skipping out. There are people playing in this tournament that we haven't heard from in decades. You know, I didn't even know they were still playing golf. Uh, it seems like they're starting to call people that haven't touched a club in months in order to fill this field. We have guys like Keith Slocum, Frank Licklider, some of these guys even turning down spots. So, I mean, we are really, this is like, uh, I don't even know how to compare it. This is like when, uh, you know, you, there's an NBA trade and there's only like seven guys available. So you're starting a guy that would normally, <laughs> yeah, would no, normally, no. Uh, you know, be riding the bench. So guys like G Mac who have just kind of like lost all status, you know, just kind of giving him the call. Yeah. yeah can, and, you, can you, can you, can you, can you Island hop over here to play? And will even as we're looking at the favorites, we're like, what we're looking yeah, like, these nah. are the favorites. Like there's guys seventh, uh, you know, eighth, 
eighth in terms of uh, odds <laughs> on the down going down the list that you know you may have never heard of. Uh, and it's almost like uh, Vegas is just trying to put in these names and then put their numbers as like as if Brooks Kepka was playing and he was the favorite. So he mm -hmm. can't be fooled by that this week. And Will, I know you cover the Monday qualifiers. What do you think of you know the PJ Tour not even being able to fill this field? You think they maybe would have got out in front of this, maybe had more spots for the Monday qualifier. The fact that there's you know five to ten spots that are just aren't being used. You know, one week you can change your career in the PJ Tour, and the fact that you have uh, you know, potentially five to 10 Corn Ferry Tour players that would be loved to play this event uh, who, you know, don't have an event to play otherwise because the Corn Ferry season's over, uh, you know, a bit of a, you know, interesting move there to just not have a full field. <laughs> yeah, so actually Alex Smalley and Honor Bon Lahiri were both scheduled to be in that Monday field um, and got in, but you're exactly right. It's looking like they're not able to fill this field um, with some of the guys not going because of vaccinations. There's, you know, there's also some, um, the PGA charter plane from the States was too heavy to take off to Bermuda. And there was a group of golfers that weren't allowed on the plane. Defending champion Brian Gay was one of those. We're off Brian Gay this week. Was Kiradech on that flight? Because he seems like more of like an own row guy, kind of guy. <laughs> do they still have a smoking section in planes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they do, he wouldn't be, uh, you know, he'd be on but, it. Um, yeah, I mean, probably the most shocking field that you'll see um, in a PGA tour event, def definitely some young PGA tour university talent that, you know, is, is ready to go after the old heads of the PGA tour. Love that angle. Also some veteran talent in the field with masters champions, Patrick Reed and Danny Willett. Um, a lot of media taking them both to miss the cut this week. Uh, so we'll see what you and I have to say about that. Yeah. One kind of storyline I saw is, you know, there's a mix of guys who, played in Zozo and now have to go crazy time change and now play Bermuda. Uh, I don't remember the list off the top of my head. Obviously you can look that up pretty quickly, but let's be fading that. Cause that's just a, a tough turnaround. Um, Especially for an event that, well, actually full points this year for Bermuda, which is new. Yeah. Full points. It's the yeah. same, it's same amount of points as if you win the masters, which seems <laughs> another, that's another ridiculous uh, PGA tour thing, especially when you've got, uh, you know, Bermuda residents playing, but you know, they are playing for a spot in the Masters, you know, PJ Tour treating as a as a real event. But, you know, one more guy, obviously the, the tournament favorite, and we'll get into this, Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, so there are a couple, you know, a couple studs playing guys you've heard of. But for the most part, yeah, we'll be looking at some more long shot guys. And, man, it seems like regular week long shot guys are the favorites this week. So, you know, a little bit of everything. But let's just get into the golf course. This week we had to Port Royal Golf Club. It's a 6,828-yard par 71. So it has par, uh, three par threes over 210. And one of the themes this week is going to be uh, high winds. So, you know, those par threes are definitely going to play difficult. And we have three re reachable par fives as well. Like we talked about earlier, Bermuda Championship, Bermuda Greens, uh, Bermuda Grass pretty much all around. I saw there's some like Zoysia hybrid rough or something, but we won't get into that too much. And just looking at the uh, one stat we'll obviously look at is strokes gained putting on Bermuda surfaces. Um, the golf course is designed by uh, famed architect Robert Trent, Trent Jones. Definitely one of the shorter courses on tour. Uh, given its shorter distance, it's really its only defense is the fact that it's pretty tight off the tee and that wind that kicks up. Um, so another thing we're going to look at is you're going to have to hit fairways. So we're going to look at strokes gained uh, off the tee and, uh, you know, fairway percentages. 
Now, the past two champions, if you just look at, uh, we have Brian Gay of last year and Brendan Todd. Those are two of the most accurate drivers on tour. In fact, Brendan Todd led the PJ Tour in fairway percentage last season. So as you can see, a little bit of a theme in terms of got to be accurate off the tee to play well here. Um, the other thing we are kind of looking at is just the discrepancy. And this is a third uh, version of the event. They had it two years previously. When Brendan Todd won, it was 24 under par was a winning score. Not much wind uh, that week. And then last year, the wind kicked up and Brian Gay won with a score of 15 under. So from the weather reports I've looked at, um, it is supposed to be somewhere between 25 and 35 miles per hour sustained Thursday through Sunday. Light showers here and there. Uh, you know, one of the things you look at when you do have a tournament in you know, tough conditions would be the waves. And when guys are playing, uh, you know, in a British open, a guy may tee off at seven 30 in the morning and get perfectly calm conditions. And then someone tees off at 1 PM and a good score is 76. So this week from what it looks like, it's pretty much going to be high winds throughout. So I'm not going to look into too much of if a guy's seeing off at seven 20 or 3 PM, but uh, you know, that's just something to look at to see for some reason, if there was a rain delay and all that kind of stuff, but uh, yeah, Brendan Todd won with a score of 24 under. We know this can be a shootout course if the wind dies down, but from what we're looking at, it doesn't look like it's going to be that. Um, well, we even looked at with uh, Fantasy National, they do have a category uh, of windy aft. Yeah. <laughs> windy aft to see how guys uh, you know play in windy conditions. So that's another thing we will look at. It's a great tool that they have. Um, and I, like, like you said, excellent point. I didn't, I didn't look at it too much this week just because there should be wind throughout the entirety of every day of the, of the event. Um, but yeah, no, um, definitely strokes gain with accuracy off the tee is probably the essential uh, stat to look at this week, even greater than how guys are putting on Bermuda, which I'm a big, you know, believer in, in, in taking picks based off how players putt on certain surfaces so led if you're ready i'm ready to get into favorites right here yeah without further ado we'll start with our tournament favorite matthew fitzpatrick at 10 to 1 he's making his pga tour season de debut um now fitzpatrick is a favorite for a couple reasons this week starting with recent form he's coming off a win on the european tour at valderrama which is known as really one of the toughest golf courses in the world he won with a score of minus six um, let's get back to that kind of golf. I love, you know, watching these pros struggle makes it a little, uh, hit closer to home when you're watching a guy fist pump bogey putts and stuff, but yeah. And that's one theme that Matthew, you know, Fitzpatrick has always done is he's been really good on tough golf courses. Now coming to this week, unless it's a hurricane condition this, this week, uh, the course is going to be a piece of cake comparatively to a course like Valderrama. Um, but the only thing, obviously we have that wind kicking up to make it more difficult, as we talked about with this golf course, you're going to have to be able to drive the golf ball well. And that's where, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick really stands out. He's 15 uh, strokes gained off the tee last year, hitting almost 70% of the fairway. So not really one of the longer guys on tour, but really uh, makes up his strokes by just, you know, pounding fairways. Uh, relative to the field, and the reason he's a favorite is he's the second best driver in the field and the fifth best putter. And in his career, like we talked about, he's done really well on, you know, tight, difficult golf courses uh one one event that kind of stands out would be the i don't know if it's still called the rbc but they compete at harbor town a lot of overhanging trees really tight you could be in the left side of the fairway and be blocked out um so 
uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick. He had a top five earlier there this year. Uh, he had a top 10 at the players, another course that's really placement. Uh, and then he had a, uh, another top 10 at Bay Hill where he's done really well in the past. His best career finish being at Bay Hill um, two years ago on the PGA Tour. One thing obviously hurting against uh, Fitzpatrick is he's never won on the PJ Tour, but he's actually won seven times on the uh, European Tour versus the PJ Tour. He doesn't have a win yet. Um, if the wind blows, I certainly think he can tend this week. You know, I don't really love a guy, uh, you know, taking a favorite ever really, but especially sure, if it's ever. like some sort yeah, especially if it's like a 24 under shootout situation. I think it is going to play tougher. You know, he's got the Ryder Cup. He's an English guy. You'd think that weather would compare a little bit more than uh, a guy playing out at PJ West or something, right? Uh, in terms of, okay, rounding everything out, in terms of what I think of this week, I don't like him out as a tournament favorite at 10 to 1. It seems like, I mean, he probably hasn't been a tournament favorite since junior golf. You know, even at Northwestern, I'm sure he had <laughs> stronger guys in the field than, uh, than, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick was playing, but um, yeah, looking at Fitzpatrick, I, he's a pass for me at 10 to one. I just think those odds are a little bit too short, uh, especially with who the hell knows with this wind, it could be a little bit of a crapshoot. Yeah. It was good to see him kind of get back in the swing of things at Valderrama because this tournament before his last tournament before that was the Ryder cup. And it had actually been the second time uh, that Fitzpatrick had been swept in the Ryder cup. He also went Oh, two and now in 2016 at Hazeltine. So um, obviously a devastating blow. Good to see him playing some good golf. I'm off of him as well. And I will say though, I'm going to hold out maybe uh, in some picks to place just because the field's so weak. It seems like just like last week with the Zozo, I mean, there's only, there's definitely a drop off. If you look at the top four or five guys and then um, definitely a drop off. So, you know, if you can find a top 10 or maybe a top five per se, um, that could definitely have some value there. But yeah, in terms of winning, it's just it's way too hard to win on the PJ Tour to, to have a guy almost single digits to one. No, thanks. On to Christian Bazudenhout at 12 to one. Uh, Christian has been playing very solid golf for the past few weeks. He finished top five at the BMW Championship um, that Billy Horschel won a few weeks ago. And then before that, um, he had another top five in the Corn Ferry Tour Championship Billy came on the scene last year after a seventh place finish at the Arnold Palmer um, and was in contention uh, for much of the U.S. Open. Do I like uh, Christian week to week? No, not yet. But he's coming off some good recent results. Um, and he is, you know, a pretty elite player relative to the strength of this field. I like his game. He puts it excellent, picking up around four shots to the field on the greens in his last five tournaments. Um I was reading this story in 2014, he was playing in the British amateur and he took a drug test um, and he failed it, which is, that's just a crazy story. Was it performance life. enhancing or what kind of? No, no, it was actually a, it was a beta blocker, but I'm not ruling okay. out that Christian. Oh, that's, per, that's definitely performance enhancing. I'm not ruling out that he's an Adderall guy. Okay. <laughs> which is even, it's a bigger plus in tournaments like the Bermuda. <laughs> well you know bermuda he should be able to get uh his hands on whatever he really wants right there's probably not many laws over there but uh just a know. crazy story in an amateur event led so will what's your thoughts on him this week sorry uh so i like uh you know christian top 20 at minus 145 is just ridiculous to me i would never buy a ticket uh, that expensive that expensive for someone um, as young and, and with such an incomplete resume, I'm off Christian this week. Love him as a player. The numbers just aren't there. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely don't have him to win. One of the things that stands out just looking at him statistically is he's the best putter in the field and he's the best putter in the field on Bermuda. But other than that, I don't really like how he um, sets up for this uh, golf course. He's not really not very good off the tee. And realistically, I'm going to get into uh, this a little more, just talking about how the conditions are going to affect this field. But if you have really high winds, I want ball strikers over putters, because as you know, you know, if there's a 35 mile an hour gust and you're trying to putt in that and you're getting blown over, it's really difficult to do versus I can see that wind kind of separating the elite ball strikers from the guys who, you know, hang on barely kind of more scrappy guys that are elite putters, like someone like a Christian. So um, maybe if the, if the wind was really calm, he'd be more of a look just because he could get the putter going. But I think going to be pretty difficult conditions for him this week, but moving into our next guy, guy I absolutely love. It is Mito Pereira. He's 16 to one on uh, DraftKings. So make sure you do a little bit of price shopping. I've seen him 20 to one on Barstool and 25 to one on PointsBet. So obviously there's a huge difference in those guys. Make sure whenever you are, if you are going to bet some golf or bet anything, you know, if you can, and if you're one of those legal states, have a couple books, shop around on guys. I mean, seriously, sometimes you'll find a, I believe this week, I saw Patrick Reed on 12 to one in, on some books and I saw him 25 to one on some books. So, you know, if you're not really shopping around, you're really kind of, uh, you know, you're setting yourself up for failure, but getting into Mito, Mito really has been a top 10 machine. Uh, he has made the, the cut in his first three starts this season, highlighted by a third place finish in the Fortnite championship. So far this season, he's 16th off the tee, off the tee and second approach. This is another guy I just really like the course fit. In terms of this field, he's the third best driver and the fourth best iron player. Now, like we talked about, the one cause for concern with uh, Fermito would be the putter. He's almost losing a half shot per round in putting alone. And that's so far this PJ Tour season. I'm looking for that to kind of come back to uh, a little bit more manageable. Will, you add something? <laughs> Yeah, the good news is every time Mito has putted above average on the PGA Tour, and I mean every time, he's finished in the top five, Wed. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so I'm going to have to look at his top five and top ten, potentially. Um, but, you know, just here's my theory in terms of how this week's going to play out, and I just want to, you know, explain to people who aren't golfers how the wind can really affect things. Now, if you're on the PGA Tour, most of the times you're going to be hitting it pretty solid, so you're not really – too worried you know these guys aren't chunking and thinning it type of thing but the wind you know whether it be a slight miss hit when you are using these butter knife blades or you know us or just a bad shot overall let's say you're hitting into a 25 mile an hour wind and you hit a normally you hit a pitch, pitching wedge 140 yards if you're in a 25 mile an hour wind right uh realistically that could take you know 10 15 yards off it but a miss hit could take 30 yards off it. So it's going to be really important this week to be a good ball striker. And that's exactly what Mito Pereira is. I think these tough windy conditions is going to separate the better ball strikers from those kind of scrappy players I talked about. And then another thing uh, is just putting in high winds. Imagine like a 10 foot flat putt. Uh, you read it as straight, right? But, but because you have a 25, 30 mile an hour wind off the right, you've now got to play this thing six inches outside. Right. So, you know, I think that's going to level the playing field, separating the, you know, the bad putters from the mediocre putters from the good putters. And I really think Mito doesn't really have to putt that well to win this tournament. If what we think is going to happen, which is the wind's going to blow 25, 35 miles an hour sustained, you know, realistically, the winning score could be anywhere between, you know, 11, 15 under. And that's where 
Mito could, can shoot that, you know, putting with his wedge. So I do love Mito this week on DraftKings. He's 16 to one, but do a little shopping. Hopefully you can get him in that 20 to one range, but I am all over the Mito movement this week. Yeah. Very, very impressive start to the year with a third place finish at a third place finish at Fortnet. Um, you know, I, I will look to Mito and head to heads um, or pass this week, just based off um, some of his performances, Sanderson farms, he lost about five shots in the Bermuda grass greens, but excellent point. Like you said, with the wind picking up more of a ball strikers tournament this week. So uh, Mito head to head or pass for me this week on to Seamus power at 20 to one. Um, I've been extremely high on this guy going into this year, made over 1.5 million on tour last year with four top 10 finishes. Uh, terrible, terrible start to the year for Seamus at Sanderson Farms, where I did have a ticket on him. I believe Dark Horse just did, did not get anything going with the ball striking. Um, here's the good news, though. He picked up about four shots there um, at Country Club of Jackson on those Bermuda greens um, and had a decent finish a couple weeks ago at the Shriners uh, where he, he finished uh, 21st. Sucks if you had the top 10, top 20 ticket on him. Uh, but any top 25 finish is great for a player of his stature. So uh, he's heavily favored by golf standards and um, saw one of his head to heads. He's minus 120 over Patrick Reed, uh, which I hate. Um, and, and if anything, I'll look at Seamus top 20 at minus 110. But personally, really don't see anything, anything that I like on Seamus this week, as much as I like his game and how he's going to progress this year. Yeah, he has been consistent. He's made the cut in 12 of his last 13 events. Um, I think he should really, you know, even instead of Seamus Power, he's more of a Seamus Accurate kind of guy. He was the seven, 17th most accurate driver on tour last year. So realistically, that should set up well for this week at uh, Port Royal. I mean, one of the major red flags that kind of jumps out is Bermuda is by far his worst putting surface. So another guy, realistically, if the wind blew, blew like crazy, I'm not too worried about his putting. You know, well, even kind of extending on that, just uh, think about putting this week. If you have a 15 footer, right, it's breaking. Let's say it's breaking six inches to the left. But now you've got grain going to the right and you've got a 20 mile an hour wind off the left. I mean, it seems like making a putt over 10 feet is going to be like winning the power Powerball, you know, so uh, it like, could be like you say, ball strikers week led ball strikers week. So, you know, Seamus doesn't really stand out too much with the ball strike, uh, ball striking. He's one of the few guys who has won uh, in the last calendar year. He won earlier at the Barbasol. But uh, yeah, he's a pass for me this week at 20 to one. He seems more like a 40 to one guy, even if the field is weak. But moving into our next guy, a familiar face, Patrick Reed at 20 to one. Now, we need to file a missing persons report for Patrick Reed early in this PJ Tour season. P. Reed played both events in Vegas, which resulted in a miscut and a borderline dead last in the non-cut CJ Cup. I mean, honestly, if PJ Tour had it this week, they would have stopped him after two rounds at the uh, at the CJ Cup. So far this season, he is the 239th best driver on tour. He is the 223rd best iron player on tour. He is the 189th best chipper on tour and the 135th best putter on tour. Now, the only thing he has going for him is it is a, an extremely small sample size. We are only through a couple events uh, this year. The, you know, one of the things that really stands out is Patrick hasn't had a top 10 since the Memorial in June. Um, you know, he may have or may haven't, may have not made a coaching change 
He may or uh, may that, not have blocked me on Twitter, Led. Oh, yes. Okay, that that's the difference. Man, I would I would I'd delete my Twitter if I was, you know, <laughs> seeing some of these stats. But uh, no, we love Patrick, uh, Captain America. Um, now, there's a couple things that do set up. And I will say, if you are, I've explained this to people before. If you are struggling with your swing or you are struggling with your technique, one thing that can actually sometimes serve as a bit of a distraction is very difficult conditions, right? So if you're working on tucking your elbow at the top because it's got frequent flyer miles, all right, <laughs> uh, the fact that there's a 30 mile an hour wind off the right and you've got an ocean on your right and you've got, you know, it's pissing down rain, all these certain things may, you know, you might have to get into really hitting golf shots rather than, you know, getting over technical with it. So the way Patrick's playing, you know, if I wanted, if I was like, okay, what is the best conditions for Patrick to play? Well, you know, I would hope it was a, you know, borderline hurricane wind coming in sideways where everyone's struggling. He can just use his elite short game. Um, one thing that does stand out is he's the fourth best high. He's the fourth best windy ass player. <laughs> he's, from te- the, he's from Texas. What do you expect, lad? Yeah, in the those, in the those... field tee to green, and he's the fourth best Bermuda putter. So those things definitely fare well from this week. In terms of my thoughts on Patrick, I don't think you can touch him until he just shows us some semblance of of what he's used to be. He's got more PJ Tour wins than all the favorites combined, obviously, which is something that stands out. It honestly might, besides Nick Watney, it might be the entire field combined uh, in terms of his PJ Tour wins. But, you know, we have not, you know, the missing persons report is still has still been filed for Patrick. So until we see a little semblance of of the old Patrick Reed, then he is uh, he's untouchable. On to Hayden Buckley at 25 to one. And, and what do we love most on this pod, podcast? We love consistent recent results. And Hayden Buckley is one of the few players in the field this week with recent results that are actually worth gambling on. Hayden Buckley has three top 10 finishes in his last five starts. Most recently, uh, four, eighth place at the Shriners a couple of weeks ago. And before that, he finished fourth um, at Sanderson Farms. And if you dive deep, you'll see... Um, he's had a rough go at times over the last couple of weeks with the putter, but not on Bermuda greens. It is the only surface he gains strokes on uh, relative to the fields that he's playing in. Had a great close to the Corn Ferry season last last year uh, with a top five finish in the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, whatever that may be worth a month later in a PGA Tour event. Um, led, I'm only seeing one Buckley matchup, and that is against Guido Migazzoli, and, and Vegas has Buckley. Uh, favored at minus 140, with, which is just ridiculous. I'm going to be looking at Buckley and picks to place, and that's about it. Yeah, I don't have anything for Buckley this week. Well, didn't you send me an article he recently got married or popped the question? Popped the question. Peyton Buckley's okay. getting married. Bit of a red flag. It, it just depends on the person. Well, I think, it's be- I think it might be better than marriage because, you know, sometimes the wedding band can throw off the ball striking a little bit. The grip never feels quite the same. Well, we've... Um, we've- We've had to pay attention to Ricky with the baby coming. We, we're always paying attention to the, these social behaviors, Led, always. But seriously, I, I don't have anything on Hayden this week. Yes, he's played well to start the year, but honestly, I think that's just, you know, we're almost getting him too late. I'd rather him not really have those results and get him in that 50 to 1 range versus, I mean, being a favorite. All right, to our next guy. I mean, I've never even heard of this man before uh, doing research. His name is Chad Ramey, 28 to 1. Um. He is a recent Corn Ferry Tour graduate. Chad had a win and 11 top 10s in that lengthened Corn Ferry Tour season. 
uh, where he finished fourth on the money list. So realistically, over a two-year span to finish fourth on the money list, that is honestly a lot of consistency to finish up that high. In his couple events on the PGA Tour season, he has gotten better every week. He started with a missed cut at the Fortinet, then he had a 63rd at the Sanderson, and then he finished tied 14th in the Shriners. Um, that Shriners result was actually way better than it looked. Uh, he was third place going into the final round before he shot a final round 72. I believe he was only one of two players in the top 50 that shot over par. So, you know, if you would have shot, you know, any semblance of a decent round, that final round, he would have had a you know top five, even top, uh, sorry, top 10, even top five uh, number. In terms of Chad, there's nothing I really love on in this love from him this week. He is an accurate driver with golf ball, but I mean, if we have guys like Chad Rainey at 28 to one, just no, thank you. Well, your thoughts? No, nothing on him. I mean, nothing. Yeah, you you know, you can look at the the, the performance at Shriners. Totally different golf course. Totally different venue. I'm off Chad Ramey this week um, until I just know who he is. So, and I I think one thing for these, you know, the field being this week, the tournament being this week, uh, it's interesting. Like, what kind of mindset the Corn Ferry Tour players come come into it with? You know, like obviously it's a little more difficult to play in a U.S. Open than it is the Barbasol just from a pressure standpoint and what it can do, you know, change your career with a good result. But I think, you know, realistically, some of these Corn Fairy guys are probably just looking at this as, as a glorified Corn Fairy Tour event, you know, so. Absolutely. Someone like Hayden Buckley, you know, another perspective on, on getting married, you know, he's got to pay for a wedding, he's got to pay for a ring, new house. It's go time for these guys, but not Chad Ramey. Uh, let's move on to Adam Hadwin at 35 to one, uh, one of the more consistent veterans in the field this week. Um, Hadwin had a very rough start to last season, um, and then closed it out well with top tens at the three M and Wyndham championship still made 1.3 million last season. So can't complain that it was a rough, can't complain too much that it was a rough year, uh, but hadn't started off the 2022 season with a miscut at Fortinet, then 45th at Sanderson Farms. And a couple of weeks ago, he finished sixth in Vegas um, at the Shriner. So had been working his way into this season, really across the board, Hadwin doesn't have any real flaws in his game besides with the driver, which bit of a red flag this week. Um, Hadwin has lost at least a shot and a half off the tee in his last four tournaments that he's teed it up in. So I'm going to keep an eye on him um, and a couple head-to-heads, a couple good Hadwin looks this week in the head-to-heads. Other than that, we're off of him this week. Yeah, and I don't know how old I, I don't. I don't, I don't want to say I'm off him this week. I do have him in head-to-heads, and he could may or may not be part of my best bet, but other than that, no other tickets on him. So week. I did a deep dive on Adam Hadwin, kind of, you know, he's one of those guys that kind of jumps out at certain events, and uh, last year he was – awful really strokes gained approach he was 166 which led to missing 13 of the 20, 13 of 29 tournaments he played he missed uh he missed the cut so really inconsistent last year yes he did have a couple good good results but this year he's kind of turned it around he is 43rd in strokes gained approach in the first couple events he's played this year which led to that tied sixth in his last start um I think it's another guy just you know had a nice result in his last start and they're kind of juicing the price a little bit here um Absolutely. Like you, talked, like, you, like you talked about, Will, he is, you know, his uh, Achilles heel is his driver. And I just don't think that's going to match up that well uh, this week. Uh, one of the things that he does stand out as he's been really a perennial kind of when you think of the great putters on tour, maybe Seneca had when um, 
these different guys. He's definitely one that stands out. But like we talked about, I think the putting is going to be a little equalized this week with the the high wind. So Hadwin is for sure a pass for me. Um, and I actually am going against him in uh, one of my head to heads. But into our next guy, it's Matthias Schwab at 35 to one. The Austrian Vanderbilt stud, probably one of the most, you know, really hyped amateurs college careers since you have guys like Matt Wolf and uh, and uh, Victor Hovland. You'll recognize him this week. Uh, he wears the big Red Bull hat and looks like he's going to be featured in season three of the Formula One documentary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, even just reading it, Matthias Schwab overtakes Max Verstappen down the home stretch. Like that just sounds like something yeah. that would happen, you know? It sounds um, like he's about to sign with McLaren. Yes, exactly, exactly. But in his last PJ Tour start, he did miss the cut. He shot four under at the Sanderson and uh, missed the cut by one. Not all too concerning. I hate cuts going that high anyway. You shoot two rounds in the 60s and are slamming the trunk. But it, meanwhile, in Europe, he's been balling. He's coming off back-to-back top 15s in the Andalucha Masters. That's where uh, Matt, uh, sorry, that's where Matthew Fitzpatrick won. He shot uh, under par rounds on Saturday and Sunday. One of the few guys to do that. And then a uh, also a top 15, a tied 12th in the BMW PGA, which is pretty much the players' championship for uh, for them. Now, statistically, it was kind of tough to uh, find stats on Matthias just because he plays so many events in the European Tour. But relative to the European Tour, he's the 20th best driver and the 8th best iron player. So another guy, just absolute ball striker. And I think realistically, being a European Tour player, you're changing golf courses and countries every week. I think him traveling to Bermuda, he's going to have a lot easier time adjusting than the guys are just, you know, hanging out in Scottsdale and, uh, and Jupiter. So, you know, realistically, I think he can do well this week. He's kind of, I think he is kind of under the, yes, he is one of the favorites, but of the favorites, definitely under the radar for how good a player he is. And uh, I do like uh, Matias at 35 to one this week. And on to, I'm, I'm fading uh, Matias Schwab in, in head to heads and my best bet. Um, Why is that? You know, I, well, first off, besides besides the European tour starts, he, he has had a very good run um, over in Europe. But in his last five PGA Tour uh, starts, he's missed four cuts. So I don't even see it's going to be had one over Schwab at minus one ten. I don't see it being competitive. I see it being a blowout. Um, you know, I, I I think last European tour tour start was T fifteen for Schwab. Uh, but I'm looking at PGA Tour. Um, you know, your thoughts on that, Let? You know, realistically, isn't uh, Bermuda a sovereign state of the United Kingdom? So, you know, maybe he looks at it. <laughs> he looks at it this week as a European tour event. So, you know, we're not even getting the U.S. pass. He's not going through U.S. customs. Uh, you know, it should be fine. You're right. We have we have European COVID <laughs> protocol in Bermuda this week. Okay. Okay. Some, some so, things uh, lining up could be right. Led. Get um, this man some fish and chips. Yeah. <laughs> um, on to uh, Taylor Pendrith at thirty-five to one. Um, our final favorite, uh, as far as result based on performance from T to green. Just that stat, T to green. Taylor Pendrith is one of the better looks in the favorites heading into this week. But as far as placing well in recent results pendrith doesn't have a top 20 finish since the barbasol back in july it's starting to become a normal theme these guys in the favorites it's just they finish well at barbasol inside the top 20 so at bermuda they're 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 in the favorites i'm seeing pendrith's matchup pendrith's matchup against hadwin 
which I don't like. I don't believe his recent results are good enough for me to buy a ticket um, to, to, as, as a pick to place. Um, and also just not looking at anything for Pinterest this week and passing on him flat out. So the one thing I do like about Taylor is he is a great ball striker. Uh, last year on the Corn Ferry Tour, he made 22 of 24 cuts, just really showing that consistency. And Will, I'm going to disagree with your head-to-head take. And let's just start with, I'll, I'll start off head-to-heads, and I will start off with Taylor Pendrith over Adam Hadwin, plus 100. I'm taking the number one driver in the field, Mr. Pendrith, versus Adam Hadwin, who is a bottom half of the field um, driving the golf ball. I actually have a little local knowledge here on this. I caddied for my buddy in a corn fairy event in Mexico last year. Pendrith is just like stupid long, like ridiculously long. Plays a nice like piercing butter draw that the wind uh, doesn't really touch. And that's one of the things he does really well is he flights the golf ball. Now, you know, one thing about being a DJ or a John Rom or, uh, you know, these longer guys is the fact that in these tough weather conditions, you know, they can hit the 85% driver that goes 290, you know, 25 feet off the ground kind of shots where everyone else is pretty much, you know, swinging full speed to get to that kind of 290. So I think it is an advantage to be long in windy conditions. Obviously, if you're into the wind, you can kind of hit those low ones like I talked about and downwind you can, you know, Maybe you're normally 15 yards further than someone. Uh, now you got a 20 mile an hour downwind. You're realistically 30, 40 yards longer than someone uh, getting it on the uh, the stream. But you know, just looking at these two guys, Hadwin just kind of stands out to me. He's more of a PGA West guy than a Hurricane uh, player. Like we talked about, he's one of the better putters on tour. And you know, realistically, I just re- like the number here with plus 100. I think we have a little bit of value here. Um, and you know. Yes, Pendrith is a recent Corn Ferry graduate, but when you just compare consistency, 22 out of 24 cuts uh, versus someone like Hadwin who made 16 of 29 cuts last year. And I've actually heard some arguments where it's harder to make the cut on the Corn Ferry Tour than the PJ Tour because they do go so low. So, you know, this isn't like he's making 22 out of 24 cuts shooting, you know, two over scrapping by. Sometimes you got to shoot seven under to make the cut. And he did that 22 out of 24 times, really going to show how he is one of the most consistent guys out here. So for my first one, it's Taylor Pendrith over Adam Hadwin, um, plus 100th, plus 100, sorry. And then for my next head-to-head, it is Patrick Rogers over Steven Yeager, minus 110. And like we talked about as a theme, ball strikers, ball strikers, ball strikers. Patrick Rogers is fourth off the tee and 12th tee to green in his last 50 rounds versus someone like Steven Yeager, 96th off the tee. In this field, all right, when you have 30 guys who, you know, are literally dusting the rusts and cobwebs off the clubs, you know, realistically, of the guys in this tour, uh, in this tournament, probably 100 guys are probably playing semi full schedule. So he's the 96th best driver out of those kind of 100 guys. And yeah, so far this PJ Tour season. Steven Yeager has not been hitting bombs, uh, pardon the pun. He's losing more, uh, more than a stroke per round at the driver and has missed two of the first three cuts this season. Where, have you, where you have someone like Patrick is picking up a shot and a half per round um, from the tee box alone if you're just looking at this head-to-head. So you have someone like Patrick, who's fourth off the tee, and Steven Yeager, who's 96 off the tee. You know, before they even, uh, hopefully it's not lift clean in place, but grab their, ball in the, grab their balls in the fairway, he's already you know, losing a shot and a half before he, any other part of the, the green. And, you know, the one thing where 
Steven Yeager would stand out would be putting. But so far this PJ Tour season, Patrick is 15th in putting compared to Steven Yeager's 51st. So to me, everything in this head-to-head leans towards Patrick Rogers, and I'm getting this at even money, minus 110. So, uh, yeah, so for my two head-to-heads, it's Taylor Pendrith over Adam Hadwin, plus 100, and Patrick Rogers over Steven Yeager, minus 110. Love that, love that P-Rog um, angle. We're going to be looking to hit him a couple times um, in my picks to place. But my head-to-heads this week, uh, we're going Nick Hardy over Denny McCarthy at minus 110 first. Um, Nick Hardy, a new PGA tour member has been fairly consistent, um, in his first two starts of the 2021 season, 36th at Fortnite and then 26th at Sanderson farm. So not inside the top 20 that we like, but starting to see Hardy get in the groove of things. Um, I'm sorry, Hardy, right. Denny McCarthy does have a bit more tour experience, but not nearly the recent results that Hardy carries. Um, McCarthy has missed the cut or finished outside the top 60 um, in three of his last four starts and has also had some trouble off the tee, losing about a shot to the field with his driver in the last five events. So um, first head to head will be Nick Hardy over Denny McCarthy at minus 110. Uh, Second head to head this week, Adam Hadwin over Matthias Schwab at minus 110. I told you about how Hadwin is trending uh, when we're in the favorites, fresh off a T6 finish at the Shriners, he's playing great. Matthias Schwab, a different story like me and me and Led went back and forth about. I'm kind of riding with his last um, five PGA Tour starts, which he's missed four cuts, has had some great results over in Europe, uh, but I don't see this match being competitive. It's possibly my best bet. My second head-to-head is Adam Hadwin over Matthias Schwab at minus 110. And just to recap, my head to heads, we're going Nick Hardy over Denny McCarthy at minus 110 and Adam Hadwin over Matthias Schwab at minus 110. Okay, I like it. We're going against each other. We'll have a, you know, I'm sure we'll have a, we'll be sending each other texts on the updates. Here we go, lad. Here we go. It it was always Adam Hadwin in Bermuda. Come on. All right, let's go into our next one. Uh, My picks to place a couple of these guys I mentioned before. We're going to start off with Mito Pereira top 10 and that is um just because of i just love the course fit like i said 16th off the tee second approach uh and i really look for him to realistically contend this week especially if the wind whips um for my next top 10 it is matthias schwab like we said we're playing over in europe this week in bermuda i don't even know if that's technically geographically correct but this you know uh we'll go with that another guy love the course fit 20th best driver on the european tour eighth best iron player. And I just think his elite ball striking will help him kind of stand out in these tough, tough conditions. That is Matthias Schwab top 10 plus 300. And then for my last one, we're going with Jason Duffner top 20 plus 275. Duffner has been balling lately. Statistically, he's 11th off the tee and 12th approach in his last 50 rounds that has resulted in four top thirties in his last five starts. The other was a tied 42nd in the, uh, in his last start at the Fortinet. So, you know, even his bad week, he's finishing 40th. Now, yes, this is technically almost a full field, 130, 135 guys, but it's a Jason. Uh, I'm going with Jason Duffner, top 20. Because of that kind of weaker field, I think he's more than capable of doing that. Now, obviously, he's one of the scariest putting strokes on tour, but I think Duffner is just hitting it too well to not play well here. So rounding out those... Uh, those picks to place. It's Jason Duffner, top 20 plus 275. 
We're going to do Matias Schwab top 10 plus 300 and then Mito Pereira top 10 plus 170. I love the Duffner angle this week. Just a steady Eddie guy. Hasn't missed any, really any cuts lately. Um, and even really regardless that hasn't quite broken into that top 20 range. I think this is a great week to hit that. Um, picks to place for me this week. We're going to start with Hayden Buckley top 20 um, at plus 120. Um, what I like about Buckley with the top 20 tickets is he's coming off back-to-back top 10 finishes at Sanderson farm and Shriners, um, and has a great track record on putting Bermuda green. So first pick to place is Hayden Buckley, um, top 20 at plus 120. Second one's going to be Mark Hubbard, top 20, um, at plus 240, um, Hubbard, three top twenties in his last five starts. Um, and my last pick to place this week Patrick Rogers, top 20 at plus 180. Patrick Rogers, really one of my favorite players in the field this week. Don't be afraid to speak, sprinkle a small ticket on Patrick Rogers to win this week. I'm going to go ahead and ride um, his top 20 ticket since we're getting such good odds. You will see he has had awful results at the Bermuda Championship in the past years. But trust me, Patrick Rogers is coming into this week with a totally new game, much more consistent and let it starts with the driver. That's what we're looking at here at the Bermuda. It starts with the driver for Patrick Rogers. Patrick Rogers is picking up about a shot and a half on the field with the driver, and better yet, about three shots with his putter on average um, to the field. I think the wild tee shots in the past have hurt his chances at contending in this event, um, but I believe um, he corrects it, corrects it this week with a good finish at Bermuda. Um, he does have some good recent results, including two top tens in his last five starts. So uh, my picks to place this week are Hayden Buckley, top 20 at plus 120, Mark Hubbard, top 20 at plus 240, and Patrick Rogers, top 20 at plus 180. Yeah, and I do like those. I'm a big fan of P. Rog. I think he's, uh, you know, at some point he will start start fulfilling the potential that we saw out of him in college. Would he win 20 times in college or something stupid? Beat Tiger's record. Beat Tiger's record. Uh, it just seems like, you know, the one thing that's kind of stood out for him is just the shocking putting, but the fact that he's 15th on tour so far this year putting, let's hope, uh, you know, that could continue and this could be the week for that breakthrough. But yeah, well, I do like those picks. Um, just moving into our dark horse, I am going to take a dark horse of, Kierditch Api Barnrat. He is 80 to 1. Uh, he's coming off back to back missed cuts. That's nothing new for Mr. Kierditch. He's a bit of a roller coaster, much like a guy like Matthew Wolf. But when he does play well, he definitely uh, he, he gets up there. We do have a little course history here. He finished 11th last year. Um, and that was going to be more, you know, of the two times they played this tournament last year's results, I'm looking at a little bit more because it's that higher win kind of 15 under winning kind of range. And, you know, Barnrat was right there uh, almost having a top 10 uh, in terms of, you know, only three events ago, he finished second in the BMW PGA to Billy Horschel, one of the best uh, European tour events out there. And when you're just looking at his game, one thing that obviously stands out would be his driving. Definitely one of his better stats. He's great at finding the fairway. And then Bermuda greens among all surfaces are the ones he stands out is stands out in. He is the seventh best putter in the field on Bermuda. So yeah, barn rat this week, 80 to one. Let's do it. Get the vapes out, ready to roll. Appy. I love it. I love it. Led my dark horse is going to be Patrick Flavin. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did Flavin Patrick Flavin. 
top 20 plus 400. So I cover Monday qualifiers every week for PGA tour.com. Typically three qualifiers from the field of around what is it usually 132 players. I should know this around 40. Yeah. Around 140 players trying to qualify every week for PGA tour events, usually three to five get through depending on oh sorry i thought you were talking about field size for the event i don't know how many are in a normal it, one it's about there. it's about 132 to 140 okay but okay. anyways i don't usually take anyone from the qualifiers on my card but a little bit different this week in bermuda i'm taking patrick flavin to top 20 as my dark horse at plus 400 simply because flavin has proven really since the end of 2019 uh, that he can perform on a global level in the last two years. Flavin has finished inside the top 10 twice on Corn Ferry, twice on Form, and three times on PGA Tour Latin America. So uh, from statistics used from last year on the Corn Ferry Tour, he is picking up about two shots on the greens to the field, and Bermuda is his best putting surface, uh, picking up about a shot every time he's on Bermuda. And Will, uh, just wondering your thoughts. I think it might be a good thing to Monday qualify. Normally, it's the week all of a sudden becomes a rush. You got to change flights. You got to do all this stuff. The fact that the Monday qualifier was a week before and you kind of have that time to let it digest, I think that definitely uh, works in his favor. Do you agree? Huge. It was huge for Patrick Flavin uh, simply because uh, now his parents will be able to be at the event. He's been there for the whole week. Just talked to him this morning. Been there the whole week. Parents flew in. Um, I think if there's any last year, the best Monday qualifier result was at Sanderson Farms. I think it changed this year. Bermuda, Patrick Flavin, top 20 at plus 400. Love it. Love it. So getting into um, my picks to win. Previously mentioned, I'm taking Mito Pereira. Find the best number you can. Like I said, DraftKings has 16 to 1, but if you can get them in that 20 to 1 range, absolutely love it. Um you know, being a dead horse here, he's 16th off the tee and second approach, which we absolutely love uh, setting up for this course in Bermuda elite ball striker. And I just think uh, Mito kind of has been knocking on the door lately. I think in this weaker field, if it plays difficult, you know, he's going to be right in there down the stretch. So getting him at 20 to one potentially is, is fantastic. And then for my other pick to win, taking a little more of a long shot guy here, we're taking Jason Duffner. This has kind of proven uh, this term has proven the first two years to kind of serve as a, you know, a bit of a revamp for guys' careers like Brian Gay. Brian Gay was looking at the Champions Tour realistically before he won last year. Brendan Todd, same thing. He used this tournament to uh, kind of spring, uh, springboard his career. Well, it's, it's kind of like rehab. Yeah. It, Bermuda, yeah. Bermuda equals rehab. Yeah, they send you off there. They get you dialed in. But Duffner, 11th off the tee, 12th approach. I mean, if he finds a big enough superstroke grip this week, I think he should be fine. So Jason Duffner, 70 to 70 to 1. And my other pick is Mito Pereira, 20 to 1 um, for my picks. Beautiful. My pick to win this week at Bermuda is going to be Mark Hubbard at 60 to 1. If Hubbard can just get the tee ball a little bit more consistent this week, he's going to have a fantastic chance to compete in Bermuda this week, Hubbard led the field in strokes gain TD Green um, in his 44th place finish at Shriners a few weeks ago. Why did he finish 44th if he was leading in strokes gain TD Green? Uncharacter- uncharacteristically bad week in Vegas, uh, losing about three and a half shots to the field. But if you look at how Hubbard has putted long term, he's picked up at least a shot on the field 
um, on the greens in his last 20 events besides the Shriners. Um, so Hubbard has three top 20 finishes in the last five starts. I love him to win this week at 60 to one. If there's anyone in this field, you can love to win. Love it. Love it. So moving into our draft Kings, I'm going to be starting Mito Pereira, Matias Schwab, Nick Hardy, Grayson Sig, Harry Hall, and then rounding out with Mr. Dude wipes, Jason Duffner. Oh man. I love Sig this week. It's been a go-to for me in DraftKings. Uh, led three and one against me, by the way. Uh, we'll see if he can pull off in this league. Similar thing happened last year. We'll see, Led. We'll see what happens. My DraftKings lineup for this week, uh, Patrick Rogers, Adam Hadwin, Hayden Buckley, Bo Hostler. Bo Hostler making a reappearance rehab week for Bo. Love that. Mark Hubbard and Patrick Flavin going with my Monday Q guy to round out the caboose. So uh, P. Raj, Adam Hadwin, Hayden Buckley, Bo Hosler, Mark Hubbard, Patrick Flavin, my DraftKings lineup going to this week. Yeah, I've shown I'm not a great front runner in DraftKings, so maybe time to lean uh, Will, Will, Will's way going forward. But yeah, uh, should be a good matchup. And just getting into our best bet of the week, I'm looking to go back to back here. Um, I'm taking Mito Pereira over Christian Bezudenhoit plus 100 Mito is the third best driver in the field fourth best iron player just comparing that over to Mr. Christian he is 94th off the tee in this field now remember there's 30 guys in this field that wouldn't normally be playing this event anyways so just off the tee in his last 50 rounds he's sandwiched between Tommy Two Gloves and Ben Crane okay not exactly guys you think of when you think of uh hitting fairways or hitting it out of their own shadow um I don't even know Ben Crane, honestly, still played golf. So the fact that he is he's in Monday, he's in Monday cues every single week, every week, every Um, week. He did have some funny videos a couple of uh, years ago when he was doing his workout videos. I'll give him that. Uh, But uh, yeah, driving the golf ball, Ben Crane, not our guy. So this seems like easy money to me, honestly. And the fact that we're getting Mito at plus 100, a lot of value there. So Mito Pereira over Christian Bazidin White plus 100. That's my best impression. Mito movement this week. Uh, yes. my best bet for Bermuda is going to be one of my picks to play. Or no, no, one of my head to heads, Adam Hadwin over Matias Schwab at minus 110. Me and Led going to be going back and forth about this all weekend. Um, we already discussed Hadwin and picks in, in uh, favorites, discussing a little bit head to heads, why I love him. Uh, but another stat here to comfort listeners on this ticket Schwab's worst putting surface is Bermuda. And remember, he's missed four cuts in his last five starts on the PGA tour, not worldwide on the PGA tour. That's what I'm looking at this week. Hadwin coming off a $1.3 million season. I love him this week. My best bet is Adam Hadwin over Matias Schwab at minus 110. And that's going to do it here on the pregame golf podcast on RJ Bell's dream preview led any other additional thoughts for the Bermuda. Yeah, I just, I think it could be a crazy week. A lot of people have some long shots, a long shot winner, uh, winner prediction just based off the last couple of years and uh, who the hell knows what's going to happen with this weather. So yeah, if you, if you don't watch, I don't exactly, exactly blame you, but we'll fill in, fill you in on how we did. And uh, yeah, looking forward to, getting through this week and getting on to uh, my Acoba. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, I will not be with you uh, for my Acoba. We'll join you again the week after at the Houston Open. But no, definitely, if you're just looking to watch some stardom this week in Bermuda, you do have uh, Patrick Reed and Danny Willett in the field, two green jacket champions. You know, there's some good stuff to watch here. 
And Will, I know you are busy uh, next week for an important reason. Will that count as a DraftKings buy for me, or? Uh... <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna. Sh- I'll send you my lineup in, lad. Okay. I'll okay, send in okay. my lineup, and I'll I'll send you a best bet in. I know you're busy. Yeah, at least time. You have time to get a, a lineup in. I'll at least have time to take a quick peek at the book. I always do, yeah. lad. Come on. Yeah. Come on. For sure. But all right, hey, best of luck everyone with their tickets this week, lad. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. The Houston Open. Let's do it.